Hi there. Thank you for joining us on the Redeemer Church Podcast. Here at Redeemer, we exist to see Christ exalted in our church, community, and world. It is our mission to lead people into the presence of God, devotion to His Word, authentic fellowship with others, and discovering their ministry. We hope this podcast is just one of the ways you connect to God's presence this week. Let's check out this week's message. Well, good morning, Redeemer. We are calling this the early late service since we all lost an hour of sleep last night. We're hoping this will be the last time we do this practice. Maybe we'll keep it the same. That's hopefully the goal in the future. Um, Today, I'm going to be talking to you about the seed and the sower. And I wanted to welcome everyone online as well. If you're on spring break already, we're glad you're joining us um, in this format. Thank you. Um, Pastor Adam, the last couple of weeks, has talked about the parables, and he introduced first the parable of the Good Samaritan, and then he talked about last week about the parable of the prodigal sons. And he, he said, as he unpacked these parables, that he reminded us that these illustrations from Jesus unveil the mysteries of three things, the character of God, or the expectation of God, or the kingdom of God. And this, today, we are going to be talking about the unveiling the kingdom of God with this parable. Um, It's found in three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So there's obviously an emphasis placed on this particular parable. And Jesus even said, if you don't understand this one, you will not understand any of them. So this is the key to unlocking all of the parables that Jesus is teaching And this one talks about the word of God, which is the seed, and the heart, which is the soil. So tender soil receives the word deeply, and the life of God then brings about the growth or the change that Jesus is wanting to see in us. In Thessalonians, Paul characterizes the word of God as having the energy and the power of God within that seed. So when God speaks to us through his word, it comes in seed form, right? And then it produces the energy of God functioning in us and bringing about the fruitfulness that he intends. So I'm going to be reading this parable from the account in Mark. So if you have your Bible with you or your your app, um, your Bible app, go ahead and get that open to chapter four of Mark. But first, a quick quote from Martin Luther. He's a 16th century theologian. He said this, we need to hear the gospel every day because we forget it every single day. Hearing the gospel through the word of God is so important because it recalibrates the compass of our hearts. And it reminds us what's important in God's eyes, like what our purpose is on this earth. Um, Like, why are we even here? And it reminds us of that. So as we hear the words, the simplicity The purity and the power of God is speaking life, is speaking energy into our lives. So now let's go to our main text. Let's jump into what Jesus says in this parable, Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 3. He says, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. And some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. And it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came, the plants are scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. 
And still other fell on good soil. It came up and grew and produced a harvest, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. And then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. And when he was alone, the 12 and others around him asked him about the parable. He told them, listen, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. Now it is not without significance that Jesus says this right in the middle of this parable. Let's continue. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word and some people are like the seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. And still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. And then he goes on to talk about the good soil. This is the word of the Lord. I want to say a quick thank you to Emily Curley Geister, who's sitting right here, um, for sharing her art with us at the church. We borrowed an art exhibit that she painted a few years back called the Seed Sower Series. And um, it is an absolutely beautiful artistic depiction of this parable. And it reflects the mystery of the kingdom of God and the power of the seed in different types of soil. It's funny, at the first service, Mary Jo came up to me and she goes, there's these planters with dirt in it. And I'm not sure. And I'm like, that's a part of the art. So Tammy, um, who is our phenomenal um, lobby designer, got the inspiration to um, show the four different types of soil. So when you go out there, you'll see the art and the different planters. So thank you to both Emily and Tammy for sharing your beautiful art with us today. It It really does help us understand this parable better and deeper. And we see in this passage that the point Jesus is teaching, it has nothing to do with the skill of the sower or the quality of the seed. The seed is perfect. It's eternal. It's unchanging. It is the word of God. And notice it's the same sower that throws the same seed. So the one factor that differentiates abundance from barrenness is what? The condition of the soil. And that's it. And the soil represents our hearts. So let's briefly talk about the seed that is sown and thrown on the wayside. Now, in first century um, Israel, agriculture was a natural part of life. So this made all the sense in the world to the people that were listening. And the fields of that day had paths that were around it for people and animals to walk on. So it was a very hard path that was trodden down. Probably the sower himself or herself was actually walking this path along the wayside. And it's trampled ground, it's really hard, and it does not receive the seed. And it's easy for the birds of the air to come and steal it. So he's making this analogy to the hardness of our hearts. You may hear all the right things. You may even be sitting in the right seat. But if there is not a breaking and a softening of the soil of our own hearts, even God's word cannot be planted in us. 
Often we start in the back before worship services with our preaching team and um, our worship team, and we pray for you. And we pray often that the tilling of our soul, that people that come in will be receptive to the words that are sung, that are spoken, that are recited over you, because we want that to be planted in the good soil of your heart, not to be stolen by the enemy. The second type of soil is the rocky and shallow soil. The rocks described here are buried right beneath the surface, a little bit like an iceberg. You see the top of the iceberg, but then there's this huge boulder beneath. And the rocks are the hidden places within our heart, the things that actually become a part of our life and our personality that reject and resist the word of God. And Jesus talks about this word that tickles your ears. It's encouraging when you first hear it. There brings, it brings encouragement and joy. But when the tests and the trials and the different seasons of life come, the shallowness of the roots cause the plant to quickly wither. Obstruction of rocks, those issues in our heart that never get dealt with season after season. Rocks like superficiality, like bitterness, like regret, like resentment, those things that get buried deep in our our hearts. And the seed cannot develop a proper root system. There is no fruitfulness and the plant dies. But the soil I really want to focus on today is is the seed sown in weeds and the thorns. Mark 4 verse 18 says it this way, and others are the ones sown among the thorns. They are those who hear the word, but... The cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things. Enter in and choke the word. Now, please listen to me carefully. You and I, with our thoughts, with our attitudes, with our appetites, we have the capacity to put a stranglehold on the promises of God spoken over our life. These are the thorns of life. Are there any gardeners in the room? Yeah, raise your hand. I want to see these gardeners. I will tell you right now, I am not one of those. In fact, anybody that gives me a plant that's green, it will die within days because I forget that it needs water, that it's living, that it needs water, and it needs sunlight. Um, Andrea Barnett has an office next to me, and she recently rescued a cactus from me and nursed it back to life. A cactus. They, they live in the desert and they die in Leanne's office. So here's the question for all the gardeners. Why, why, why do weeds grow bigger and faster and stronger than any other plant you're trying to grow? Why? I'm going to blame it on Genesis 3. I don't know if you know this, but we're doing a huge series this summer and we're writing a devotional right now. And staff and many people in this congregation are writing devotionals. And let me tell you, it's a challenge. But we've been doing a deep dive into Genesis. I'm going to leave the cursed ground to the summer series for someone to unpack. But all you need to know is there is soil corruption, okay? And the bottom line is weeds are just resilient and they're plentiful. In Israel, when Jesus was doing this parable, speaking about this, there's 125 different species of thorns and thistles that can be found in this region alone. And some of them are beautiful. They're deceptively beautiful. And they're hiding the thorns and the dangerous things, the invasive qualities that are within this prickly weed. And Jesus said, this kind of weed grows quickly, right? 
and it chokes the word of the Lord. And he lists three distinct prickly weeds that we need to watch out for. Three things that threaten the promises that have been spoken over our lives. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things. So let's break down these three threats. Notice that the soil is deep. It's soft enough. It's, it can receive, it can grow deep roots, but it's just too cluttered with the cares of this life for anything healthy to grow. The Greek word for care or worry that's used most often is a derivative of two different words. The first one means divided, and the second one means mind. So divided mind are the cares of this world. Too many options. Does anybody like options in here? Jesus and dot, 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 fill in the blank. James 1.8 talks about this. The double-minded person is unstable in all of his or her ways. And Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of that same verse, I love this one. He says, it's someone who is being wind-whipped by the waves of worry, adrift at sea, keeping all your options open. Now that caught my attention because I like options. Um, Has anyone read Maria Kondo's book about decluttering your life? You can be honest about it. Anybody read it? Anybody actually done it? So here's the premise. You're supposed to go into your closet, which is what I've been doing recently, and grabbing a piece of clothing or shoes or a purse and ask yourself a question. What is the question? Does this spark joy? Does this spark joy? And if it does not, what are you supposed to do? Let it go, just like Elsa, just like Elsa does. You let it go and you simplify, right? And I'm telling you, this is a painful process. I'm doing this right now. Spring cleaning is torture to me. Um, Because I sit there and I think, if I gain or lose 10 pounds, this will fit perfect. It will. And it is a painful process to just let it go. But then I stand in my closet for 30 minutes trying to figure out what to wear every day of my life because I have a divided mind in my closet. I have way too many options. And we as a society, Western culture specifically, we entertain so many options and we invite confusion. And when we invite confusion, we create the atmosphere for anxiety and worry and all those other things. When we could just clarify and focus and have some more peace in the upper hand, that that can bring in our lives. Keep your eye on the ball. Have you ever said that? Probably if you're an athlete or if you're training an athlete, you have said that exact phrase. Um, This is a picture of Serena Williams. Man, talk about someone who can focus on that ball, right? Um, A few years ago, I had the privilege of meeting Margaret Court. You may not know her, but she still holds the record for the most Grand Slam single title in the world, 64, including 11 Australian Opens. And I met her in Perth, Australia. That first picture was 1965. The following was 2017. So a few years have gone by. Phenomenal woman of God. She's actually a pastor in Perth, Australia. But she gave me the signed tennis ball, thinking it would help my game. Let me tell you, it has not. And then I passed it along to my daughter and said, maybe this will help her game. It, it has not. Um, But one thing that I've read about is psychologists and neuroscientists have now identified some common mental processes 
an eye movement that marks elite athletes. And this phenomenon is called quiet eye. Have you ever heard about this? It is being able to hyper-focus, laser-focus under pressure, and it gives them an incredible advantage that I do not have. They also looked at the novices, and they said the difference was the novices tend to shift their focus between the entire scene instead of being able to focus on the most important thing, which is the... Yes, I have not learned this lesson yet. When we stop being distracted by the many, 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 many cares of this world, our divided mind, if we could just get single focused on the seed of the word of God that is being spoken over our lives, then we can flourish. We can be strengthened. Even Jesus had a singular focus when he was on this earth. In John 3, verse 34, he says, My food is to do the will of him who sent me. Even Jesus was hyper-focused on one thing, which was God's will. When our minds and our hearts are fixed and focused on him and him alone, when we are walking in the perfect calling of God, we are spiritually nourished, we are strengthened. And every moment that you and I spend in confusion and in worry and in anxiety, in a state of a divided mind and heart, we are feeding the beast that strangles the promise over the destiny of our lives. The prickly weed of cares. Number two, the second weed that Jesus discusses in this parable is the deceitfulness of riches. Yes. Notice it doesn't say just riches. It says there is a deceitfulness that can come and be included with riches. Now, riches can be money and resources and possessions and all those things, but it can also overflow into title, into your accomplishments, into your position. It's the abundance that we have in our life, and there's a deceitfulness that comes with riches. There's actually an illusion of power and personal significance that increases with greater possessions and money, and neither are true. Neither riches nor poverty create heart. They reveal our heart. So how much is too much money? Well, I'm glad you asked. It depends. It's whatever amount causes you not to trust anymore. So how much is too much? It's whatever amount replaces your trust in God. Because true spirituality is in relationship to trust. Not self-sufficiency, but dependency on God, right? Not building my own castle, but building his kingdom in my life. It's not what I own, thank goodness, thank goodness. But so much of wealth is used to create this sense, this fake identity, this counterfeit attempt to be important. My identity is not in what I own. It's not in my title. It's not in how God uses me. It's not in the last song that I've written. I am simply a daughter that has been adopted by the most gracious father in existence. That is who I am. My identity is in the one who called me to himself. That's it entirely. Everything else is bonus. Everything else is extra. And what I'm hoping is that for you and I, that we can build more profoundly in the area of trust so that God can entrust to us greater resources to affect the world around us. But he will not give me more than my heart 
can handle. It's all about trust. The last weed that Jesus revealed in this parable is the desire for other things. It's interesting. The original language here means, and all the rest. Like he didn't even make a list because the list is not important. What's important is that in each believer's life, there can be an appetite for things that are outside of God. You know, and I've been praying this over myself this week. I only want what's from your hand, God. I only want your will, your heart, your ideas for my life. Um, The issue can often be in comparison, um, the desire for all the other things. I don't know if you've seen the show. It's not the greatest, but it's called Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Have you seen this? It's like the modern day Keeping Up with the Joneses. It's just, it's crazy. And all the things, you start thinking about all the things they have that I don't have. Well, here's the good news. Put something on your list, anything. If I could have this position, if I could have that marriage, if I could have this title or that education or this car or have that house, then I will be what? Happy. No. And what happens is the appetite, the desire for all the other things actually pulls me out of my lane, out of my assignment, and out of the very will of our Heavenly Father. The appetite itself fuels the weeds that choke the very promise of God out of our lives. It has to do with appetite. It has to do with stewardship. It has to do with the divided mind. And these are the areas that Jesus is talking about. And he says, if they're monitored well, if you keep in your lane, if you have a good soil for your heart, if you stay laser focused and heart healthy, then you can say with Solomon, who was the wisest man who ever lived. In 2 Chronicles 7, it says this about Solomon. Everything that came into his heart came to pass. Can you imagine being able to say that over your life? Everything that came into his heart came to pass. Why? Because Solomon's heart desires were lined up with his heavenly father. And I'm praying that over my life. I'm praying that over you, that everything that God has promised that we see come to pass. Not for my sake, but for the sake of Christ, for him to be revealed, for the seed that is planted in our hearts, bring about the energy and the life of God so we can flourish, so that seed can flourish in the good soil of our life and produce fruit, a bountiful harvest that everyone can see. Um, I recently read a quote about, from John MacArthur, and he wrote about the parables, and he says this about the parable of the sower and the modern-day evangelical church. This is not Redeemer. This is all the other churches out there, right? Just preface. Some want to alter the seed or manufacture synthetic seed. They try to update the message, tone down the offense of the cross, leave the hard or unpopular parts out. Many simply replace the gospel with a different message. But this parable is not about enhancing the quality of the seed or improving the skill of the sower or finding a more elegant use for the farm. No, it's all about the condition of the soil. It's about our heart. It's about being receptive to the word of God, being sown into our lives, the good soil. And this is what Jesus desires for us. Do you hear that? Can you hear him speaking that through this parable today? In Luke, the good soil symbolized this. Those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it 
and bear fruit with patience. Now, I love that because he's talking about perseverance in our faith, right? Even when the storms come, even when the difficulties and the trials and the tests come, we hold tightly to the word that has been planted in us, perseverance of our faith. In Matthew 13, the good soil represents the person who hears the word and what? Not just hearing, but understands it. And then in Mark 4, Jesus symbolizes this person, the good soil, as hearing the word, accepting it, and producing a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times that which was sown. And this speaks of abundance of fruit. It's harvest time. It's something that everyone around us can recognize and see. It's not scarce. It's not hard to observe. The goal for our lives is to have the seed, the word of God received in the good soil of our hearts. Why? For the harvest. There's fruit that will remain. We may abide in him in a new and deeper way. And the truth of our heavenly father is and will be revealed in and through our lives. Can you say amen? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, God, I thank you that you're working in our hearts, in our lives. God, as David prayed in Psalm, I pray that you will create in us a clean, new heart. Renew the right spirit within us, God. You do that work, not us. Help us to be stewards, good stewards of the word that you have planted inside of us. And let our appetite be laser-focused on you and your will for our lives. We will make any adjustment. We will. Because we want your seed to flourish in the soul of our hearts and our minds. So God, be glorified. Be glorified, be honored, be magnified in this place so that others may see you clearly, that they will see that the harvest is good and it is, it's perfect. It's because of your seed that's in the soil of our hearts and our lives. And we surrender to you, God. And we thank you for the work that you're doing in our hearts, even this morning. Thank you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Once again, thank you for listening to the Redeemer Church Podcast. To stay connected with all that God is doing here at Redeemer, you can visit RedeemerTulsa.org or find us on Facebook or Instagram. Have a blessed week.